Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The world outside your window may not be great, but don't worry, you're just in a slump, Superman. Everything is Superman here on Post Show Recaps, talking about the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. We are up to Superman 3. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Kevin Mahadeo, who is the perfect person to start this podcast off by saying, What did I just watch, Kevin? What was that? <laughs> what what did a I just change. Watch? What a change of pace. Okay, okay. What just happened? What but is that? What did I just watch this movie? Here's the big thing, though, right? What like, was it? Last time Superman that we 3. recorded. I said, I think you're going to enjoy watching it. I didn't say, I think it's going to be good. I said, I think you might enjoy this. What just happened? <laughs> what did I just see? So remember when last time, Kevin, I was like, I'm not sure I've ever seen Superman 3. I think I've seen bits. Of, I've definitely never seen <laughs> Superman 3 before. So this is a first experience. What a, oh, like there's what a wonderful just, moment. There's just like, there's, there's literally no way that I've ever seen Superman 3 because I wouldn't have been like, uh, like on bed rest right now for some, for some, some medical issue, uh, going absolutely nuts in bed watching this movie this morning, being like, what? What is that? The computer ain't the lady. What is that? What's yes. Richard Pryor doing? What is he just, doing? What is Richard Pryor doing? Yeah, full just stop. Full stop. <laughs> you know, not even in this movie, but like, what's he doing during the movie? What's he doing <laughs> in in the movie? Is in literally, what is he doing right now? Uh, like, I'm totally fine with Richard Pryor being in the movie, but what's happening? Why is he on skis? Why is he skiing off the building? And it's totally fine. Um, how does he know how to do all these crazy computer things? What is his deal? Also, his name is Gus, which is the name of Kevin's dog, and I can't separate the two I things know. anymore. Well, my first note, I'll have you know, right? Because this movie does start off with like him in the uh, in an unemployment area, and he's basically like setting up. Like it seems like he's a grifter, right? And I wrote down this movie starts with Richard Pryor, Gus Gorman, who is a grifter, like all Gus's, as yeah, I know, it's true, because <laughs> my dog Gus is quite the grifter. So I I know I've never seen this movie before because the only thing that I could like very there were like two images that I could uh, immediately recall with uh, when it came to Superman three heading into it. One is like drunk Superman taking the shots because yes. that's a great gif, uh, and the other was Superman flying through uh, like the like the canyons with Richard mm-hmm. Pryor in his arms, which I felt like would be like i think my my association with it was like this was like kind of like a buddy movie where it'd be like superman 
and and no, Richard Pryor not. were buddies and they were like working together. I mean, that's certainly the story that Gus Gorman's going to tell at the end of the movie. Where he's like, yeah, you know, me and Superman, we're tight. We're always flying together. Um, but it's clear that I just know the poster because that's yes. the poster. It's the poster. The poster is him carrying a Richard Pryor who looks freaked out in his arms as Superman is smi- smiling, flying uh, uh, towards the uh, uh, audience. I- right. Like that's the poster. I definitely did not know that he was like, he's the bad guy of the movie, basically. Like, he's an antagonist at the very least. An antagonist. Like, holy crap. We've talked about, like, other movies like Spider-Man 3 where there's too many villains. This movie has so many villains, and it's a new villain every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes, they're like, oh, you think it's Gus Gorman? No. It is actually these rich people. You think it's these rich people? No. It is evil Superman. You think it's evil Superman? No. It is a computer. It's like every 30 minutes... A new villain shows up. It's crazy. This movie is utterly insane. It's once again directed by Richard Lester. So this is what Richard Lester does when left to his own devices, I guess. When he doesn't, when he gets to like start the movie from the ground up all on his own, Richard Lester makes Superman three. Oh my god! I I Let's, have I have no choice but to stand, Kevin. I uh, mean, this movie is absurd and ridiculous, and obviously not even in the same. Uh, you you cannot speak of this film in the same quality category as the two previous ones. But I would be bold faced lying if I said I did not very much enjoy myself knew watching it. this film. Knew it. Oh I god, knew I it. had so much fun. It was so stupid. Absolutely I will ridiculous. Say, and I, I I will say this like. Afterwards, you know, um, we watched this movie, and uh, throughout the entire thing, we kept saying comments, pausing, being like, "What is happening?" And then afterwards, being like, "Did we? Is is this a good movie? No. Uh, was it entertaining and stupid? Yes. And I think that's where this movie is. And it is. It. I'm one. I'm glad I knew I, I nailed it. But uh, I God, it's. I hated. I hated this strong word. I didn't like this movie as a kid, right? And I definitely had weird feelings for Superman 4, which we'll get into when we talk about that. But Can't as wait. an adult, it's, it's as you said, you cannot compare this to the first two films. And if you remove it from the first two films as its own thing, it's, again, it's bad, but it's entertaining. The best way to describe this is very, very very silver age like the goofiness and silliness in parts is is kind of like spot on to some of that silver age mentality uh some of the stuff he does like the scene we'll get to uh where he ices the lake and just picks it up and carries it very silver age very uh, much out of there i'll note because i've been bit by the superman bug i've gone back and i've watched the episodes of superman and lois the cw show that have been released thus far except for the latest one no spoilers don't tell me and in the this is the mildest of spoilers in the very first episode one of like the first heroic acts of superman and sort of like the superman is doing superman things montage is there's like a power plant that's like uh gonna go crazy and he flies out into the ocean and then emerges with, with what looks like a little ice cube. And then, like, you get the perspective shot, and he's got, like, this giant ice boulder. And he basically does the same thing. The very yep. first episode of Superman and Lois does an homage to Superman 3. Yep. <laughs> Which I didn't yep. know until I watched Superman 3 today. I was like, they, I was Leo. I was DiCaprio. I was pointing at the, <laughs> at the screen. I was like, that's the thing. 
<laughs> they did that. Uh, Superman three is a beautiful thing to pay homage to. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they did it. I am. I'm glad they give the nod, right? And so there's a lot in this movie that that to talk about, to break down, to kind of give some background on. And the easy way to do it is to start right because well, before we do, let's get some business out of the way, Kevin. Ooh, yeah, let's oh. let's 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 do some notes. We'll get the business. You know, we gotta we gotta get some information out there, and then. We will get into the into the podcast. I want to do it sequentially for sure. So first line item is the Superman 3. We said we're doing the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Next week, it's Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. It's going to be the last one in our Superman miniseries. May not be the end of our Superman coverage. In fact, it definitely won't be in terms of everything is super all told. But after Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, we are going to be segueing into our coverage, uh, pre- previewing uh, Loki, which is coming to Disney Plus, the next Marvel Cinematic Universe show coming to Disney Plus on uh, June 9th is when that show debuts. So next week, Kevin and I are actually going to have two episodes of Everything is Super. We are going to have the Superman 4 podcast coming your way on May 31st. And then we will have our Loki preview show dropping on June 4th. Uh, to just like move us to Fridays. That's where we're going to be for the Loki show. Uh, we'll have our preview show dropping June 4th. And then we will have our recap of the first episode dropping on June 11th, just two days after Loki arri- arrives on Disney+. Plus. So I want to get that information out of the way up front. Start preparing. Get your, your schedules ready. If, it's, uh, if you're like, oh, man, I'm getting both uh, down the hatch and everything is super on Fridays. It's just too much awesome for me to handle. My Fridays aren't going to be able to take it anymore. Well, there is a fix for that. We do release episodes of Down the Hatch, our Lost podcast, a couple days early for the patrons of Post Show Recaps. If you want to get early access to that podcast, move your listening ritual to Wednesdays, you can do that. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps at the $5 level to get our exclusive patron podcast feed. Another reason you may want to consider signing up is as you are listening to these words, you could go to the Post Show Recaps patron feed and get an early exclusive look at the new 24 podcast that we're doing on Post Show Recaps. It's called Worst Day Ever, and we've got the preview show and the recap of the first episode available exclusively early for the patrons of Post Show Recap. So if you're excited about that podcast, you want to get in your ears early before we drop that podcast starting in June, you can do it right now. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. And Kevin, one more thing. You ready? I don't know. You ready for this one more thing? Gotta take a quick minute to thank our sponsors for this episode of Post Show Recaps. Those are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Kevin, it's a lot of information. How are you feeling about all of that information? I'm feeling pretty good about the information, especially because, you know, the reason that worst day ever exists, the reason that 24 podcasts exist is, of course, because of our patron listeners, which I want to give a thanks to because we wanted to hit 500 before the end of the month in order to get that patron exclusive podcast and uh you guys delivered you did it uh you delivered so thank you so much you, for that thank you for the support you and thank flew you for making out this happen into the lake you used <laughs> your frost breath 
And you turned that lake into an ice cube, a giant one, in fact. And you dropped it all, all over a smoldering fire in Smallville that was able to put that fire out. You he, are the he, true Superman. He made it rain. They made it rain is what they did. Our <laughs> patrons made it, made it rain. You made it rain. <laughs> you know, another reason, just because I don't shout it out enough uh, to sign up for the, the Poster Recaps patron feed, it's just $5 a month. And if you do that, you get a weekly show hosted by Kevin Mahadeo. Right now, it's Mighty Ducks. Uh, which you are, which you are co-anchoring with Melissa Woodward and an incredible array of rotating guests. I know our Philly, the great Rich Filiberto was on with you this past week. I have an inkling of a future guest, I think, who may be coming up in the not too distant future. Uh, and it's a, a really great podcast that people are loving. And I believe you've got plans beyond ducks that are not quite ready to be announced right now. Not quite ready to be announced, but yes, stuff is in the works. I've had such a blast uh, doing the podcast with Melissa. She's such a great co-host, especially as we banter about Canada, as she is Canadian. And uh, hockey, obviously, has a direct connection there. Uh, we play games on that podcast to to highlight the fact that I know nothing about sports, um, which is which is a blast and, and wonderfully embarrassing. Um, and there are plans to, to continue with something else afterwards because we've had such a good time with the Ducks podcast as we're wrapping up that coverage. Um, there there will be something in the future, but we will keep it under wraps for now. But the patrons, you guys can check that out on the patron feed, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers podcast. And it's it's what you have planned is ridiculous because I am aware of what you've got planned next. And it's like if you love Kevin, which I assume you do because you listen to this podcast, uh, then you certainly want to be checking out the Ducks coverage. But I think you really are going to be interested in what he's doing next. Even if like the subject matter isn't your thing, I think Kevin on the subject matter will be <laughs> your shit. Uh, so <laughs> I think you can get in on the ground floor now or you can wait a little while, but pretty soon I think you're going to want to hear, uh, Kevin's podcast that he's going to be doing exclusively for the Patrons of Faux Show recaps. It's going to be really, really, really fun. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, all right. That's a lot. Let's talk Superman 3, which is also so much it is a lot so much oh my so god much. kevin what i a, mean let's I'm, like i feel like you know i'm super sober and i feel like i just tripped on so many different substances watching this film like, it is such a change of pace because oh my god it's weird let's like even like we just touched on the beginning and like it's already weird like you can tell like they're like we have richard pryor he has to be a focus of this film you know and What's that's the fine. backstory there like you know richard pryor kind of like height of his powers type deal right now is it just like let's get some like richard pryor viagra and superman well as i understand it and again this is you know i i'm not an expert on this particular uh uh subject and 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 there's much discussion about it but if I actually understand correctly, Richard Pryor is a fan of Superman. I wanted to be in the movie. Got it. Which is, which is wild. Um, but like the idea, I mean, also, you know, at this time, uh, Richard Pryor, like you said, height of his career. So even if Richard Pryor is a fan of Superman and wants to be in this movie, if you are the studio, if you are the producers, you say yes. who, as we are going to be say, seeing what happens here with these producers and what they have created, uh, you're going to say yes. And you're going to be like, well, he's got to be the focus, right? This is such a weird movie because so much of the movie focuses not on Superman more than the other two movies. Superman is not on screen as much in this movie. I'm not even talking about Superman versus Clark Kent. I mean, Chris Reeve, uh, they, they focus a lot on the other stuff going on with um gus and 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 the villains who's i'm just gonna call them richie riches uh because like you know their names are barely important <laughs> into, ross, into the main plot ross webster 
Yes, the uh, Websters, Vera Webster, and then his his. What, what did they call Ross Bub? Is that what she calls him? Uh, Bubba, I believe. Bubba. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I don't like any of it. I don't like any of that. It's very weird with them. Oh, it's um, so strange. Yeah, and 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 the the girl that does the baby voice, but is actually really smart. Like the baby voice, I could not deal with. Oh, you I mean the person that Superman one night stands, right? right? Oh my! And then it's god. just like that wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. Oh I don't know God. you, lady. Uh, I, and she's like, "Great, I'll be forever traumatized, and will probably become a supervillain as a result. And you will have no one to blame but yourself." Right? It's oh boy. Okay, okay, okay. So this movie starts Richard Pryor, right? We, as we mentioned, he's unemployed. He's a bit of a grifter, it feels like. Um, and he gets the he gets this uh uh um lighter slash matches that says like learn you know computers now become a computer programmer uh, because at the time in this period computers people are obsessed with them and what they could do because they're the future and we're living in the future now and i will tell you computers can't do that the things that no, you thought computers could do no. no we're still working on it kevin and i actually do have a blueprint in uh in development that's going to be a supercomputer that can uh combat all of your weaknesses it's actually pretty cool yeah, we also have one that can control the weather. What somehow. do you think the the Patreon is for, folks? <laughs> we're shoring up the funds for our supercomputer. Yeah, yeah, we're call we're calling it. I, I can't think of an acronym to get to Brainiac, but I was going to make a Brainiac joke. Oh, but anyway, nice. yeah. Um, but this is beyond that. How this movie starts to me says everything about what this movie is. Instantly, because you know this movie is going to be insane, insane. Because it, you know it even starts off with the like. Um, Alex Salkin presents, who's the producer, right? And as we talked on the previous podcast, the producers of Salkins didn't, they butted head with Donner. They wanted it to be goofy and silly, like, you know, <laughs> like this, basically. And so Donner was fired. Superman 2, half of it became kind of weird because they had to reshoot with Richard Lester. So with Donner gone, with the guy who was focusing on making Superman kind of serious gone, they tell us right away this is what we wanted Superman to be. This is what we have been envisioning from the start. And it's insane. It is this like weird opening sequence of slapstick comedy that is just so ridiculous. Like, uh, uh, you know, the, the girl walks by and she's wearing a low cut top. So it distracts a guy who walks into a pole, who knocks over a thing, who releases some penguins out into the world. They're which distracts fire. a blind man. They're on fire. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is there. Uh, and this like uh, robbery is occurring at the same time. Just nonstop slapstick wildness that is so insane like it's crazy that all of this is is happening and it just blows my mind what's even worse to me by the way superman does show up and like saves the 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 guy from the car which is flooding somehow i don't know how that car like he ran over a fire hydrant and that causes the car to flood somehow unbelievable Uh, it's unbelievable it's it's weird, and Jimmy Olsen is there. Jimmy Olsen, who in Superman two, as Ursa, Zod, and Nan are smashing through the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen is there, snapping picture, 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 doing his job as these the as, as these horrifying people come to do Lord knows what to them, and he's still doing his job. Yeah, for whatever reason, in this movie and in this opening sequence. Superman saving the day and Jimmy's just like, I'm going to eat this hot dog. I'm not taking any pictures. It's a small note, but 
Boy, I hate it. I hate it that they make Jimmy Olsen bad at his job all of a sudden. Well, he just, you know, he's in a slump. Isn't that what the kid says to Superman? You're it's yes. just a slump, Superman. You'll be back. It's just a slump. You'll be bad. It's me, Ricky. It's Ricky so small. That kid. Yeah, it's a slump, Jimmy. It's just, you're just in a slump, Jim. You'll be back, Jimmy. Uh, and he will, right? You know, it's just to get him to Smallville and then to, I guess, get him out of the way again. Yeah, plot device. He's bad at his job for a moment. But, like... This opening sequence, like, for sure sets the tone of this film, right? Like, it's just going to be ridiculous and silly and goofy. Um, there's one part I do like in this opening sequence. Um, oh, I like actually... all the parts. Okay, well, there's one part <laughs> that I actually think is clever and I thought was, like, legit, like, not just slapstick stupid. But I was like, oh, I like that. Um, is where Superman goes into the photo booth to change. And then he comes out because the photo booth took the pictures and the kid's there and he just rips the bottom one to give to the kid where he's Superman and keeps the rest of it and flies off. I thought that was very cute. I thought that was very Superman-esque. I thought that was very fun. Um, so I did really like that small bit. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Josh, but we actually talked about something in the first Superman movie. Do you remember? I mean, I, we talked about a lot of things. We in the did. First one. But we actually talked about this scene. We didn't know we were talking about the scene. At least you didn't, but I did. Uh, because we looked up the little baby that played Superman and right. what else that baby has been in. Correct. And he was kid at the photo booth, meaning huh. the kid that Superman gives that last picture to is his baby self from wow. the first movie, which I think is really fun. Look, considering what happens in this film, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had tried to, like have some sort of time travel explanation certainly wouldn't have been the first time they did time travel in the christopher reeve superman movies that's very fair that's very fair uh (laughs) i mean there are there are silver age stories where superman superboy and super baby are all hanging out so you know what could have been what what could have been been? and there's actually some interesting what could have been we'll talk about at the end of this because there are some interesting facts about that um but that's how this movie starts it is it is, Kevin. And, you know, Superman, Superman one, Superman two also had like major like tone setter openings. Yes. Uh, you know, Superman one is, you know, all of like the Krypton stuff. And that mm-hmm. really sets a tone for the movie and, and like kind of like fills you in on sort of what to expect. And I think really, um, appropriately measures up. If anything, I think the opening, as I've said, like I feel very strongly about it and I feel like it sets up an epic scale that like you can't quite measure up against. Um, I I just love the Krypton stuff so so much. That's a personal preference. Superman two begins with the previously on, but that's important because it's setting up you know how much that first movie informs the second one. And I know the Donner cut uh, opens differently, and that sets a tone based on everything you described about the Donner cut. Uh, and all of that is just like fully um, doing its job. You can call this opening. Absolutely batshit ridiculous for Superman 3. But it also very appropriately sets the tone for the rest of the film. Like oh, it, it sets not, the tone so it's well. Not, it's not deceiving you. It's not lying to you. It's not selling you something that it's not going to deliver on. It is going to deliver on exactly what it is telling you it is at the very start of the film. So if, if only on that note, God, you got no choice but to respect it. I do, you know, in that regard, yes, because it does set the tone for what this film is. And as you, as mentioned, wild and crazy and psychotically ridiculous. Psychotically it's, ridiculous. Psychotically ridiculous is probably the, the descriptor for this movie because you have 
You have Superman being psychotically ridiculous in parts. You have the villains who are basically psychotically ridiculous. We're just going to get rid of all the oil. Why? What's your end goal on that one? Because they never specify as I really. It's so, it's so insane. Like none of it makes sense. And also not making sense, right? Like even from this moment, we cut to what will become a theme because we cut to Gus um, at his new computer programming job, right? And uh someone's just like hey well if we can do this why can't we do this and the teacher is just like well that's impossible and then gus is just like but i did that thing check it out and he's like how did you do that and he's just like i don't know that's not how that works that's like it's not like you you just can know how to program a computer through force of just like osmosis or something like there are keys and like like directions you have to like specifically say like they could have done it that Gus is like a savant and when that guy's just like how'd you do this he's like well I just used what you told me and said the code to do this and then there we go but instead it's just like I don't know magic um which Gus I have a theory or Gus Josh I have a theory yeah I'll I answer to Gus though if you want. I have a theory. So this is a this is the first note, and this came up during our watching here at home. What if Gus Gorman is actually Mister Mixius Pitlick? Um, this is so interesting that you should say this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, uh, that character whose name you have pronounced in a way that, like, I don't know, Mister Mitzelplick. Uh, <laughs> Who is a classic Superman villain? Who's like a tiny little imp? This little, this little uh, nefarious, mischievous little guy. He's a mischievous guy. Fifth got, dimensional imp. Yeah, got a bowler cap. He's got the gray Doc Brown hair. Uh, he's just a little. He's like a little. He's like kind of like uh, like a tiny evil little Rick from Rick and Morty. Basically, uh, and he just does magic instead of science. Yeah, Mister Mitzelplick. Um, Kevin, so interesting that you say that. Uh, I'm reading about the development of Superman 3. He was going to be one of the villains of this film. That is correct. Uh, that is correct. That there was a version of this where uh, Mr. Mitzelplick would have been a villain alongside Brainiac, who has yet yes. to be uh, featured in a live-action Superman movie, if I'm or not mistaken. has he been? Because that's the part I want to talk about at the end here. Because they keep saying supercomputer... But that's very clearly Brainiac. Mm. They very clearly built Brainiac. And there's ways that they could have gotten there to, like, even have it be real Brainiac. But we, we'll touch on that because there's a whole part at the end to talk about. But, yes, there was a point where Mis- <laughs> Mr. Mixoplick, Mr. Mixius Plitlick, however you want to pronounce it, there's been various pronunciations and various um, forms of media, but he was originally going to be a villain. and. When you look at the stuff Gus does, he could be Mr. Mixius Pitlick, right? Like, you could have, like, the reason he knows how to do this is because magic. He has made computers literally magic. Josh, there's a point where because he's drunk and he's messing around with computers in Smallville, he causes the walking signals to move from one to the next and punch each other. That's not how that works. At all. The, like, the hand, like, the walking, like, red light go, green light stop, like, people on the walkings come into each other's thing and fight. 
That's not a thing computers can do, yeah, but I'm, it is I'm, a thing. I'm, co- I'm convinced that this is Mr. Mitzelplick, uh, Superman's magical nemesis. That's who Richard Pryor is actually playing. And it could be that he's like an amnesiac version of the character and doesn't like know the full extent of his powers yet, or that he's like, just like so expertly in deep cover um that he is like fully uh pulling the 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 wool over everybody's eyes uh and is uh going to live to laugh another day by the end of this movie but it totally absolutely and this is brilliant kevin it just completely changes the way you watch this movie and makes this already terrific film so much better uh it really does and i'm gonna give credit where credit is due because the theory came up from my fiance who said it and i was just like oh my god and knowing so much about this movie i was like this actually can make a lot of sense (laughs) like if you look at it with this lens and as we watched it we were just like more and more convinced like like oh yeah i think i think this is a fun theory that actually somehow makes this movie a little bit better yes totally agreed completely and and that's like this is the first instance right his his magic ability which we'll get to how that transfers later but then we get to the Daily Planet, and man, this is the part where, like, there are things, again, the goofiness uh, is fun, but the little details really do rub me the wrong way, especially after seeing how good some of the other stuff was handled. The Daily Planet was such a, like, great, like, set piece. The characters were so awesome back, you know, back in the first two films. Like I said, Jimmy Olsen, good at his job. They're calling Jimmy Olsen out as bad at his job because he's taking pictures of that woman instead of like the actual ceremony. And I'm like, Jimmy Olsen's a horn dog. Like, when did this come up? And even like the banter between Lois and Clark is not, there's banter, but it's all bad. What happened to the chemistry between Margot well, Kidder and Chris Reeve, right? Like they don't need to invest in it in this movie. Cause she's not in the movie. She's out. Yeah. I love, by the way, props to Margot Kidder. Just like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be bitches. here five minutes and I'm out. That's yeah. a wrap for Lois Lane, everyone. <laughs> in the credits, in the opening crazy scene, uh, I was like, wait, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Margot Kidder yet. Is she not in this movie? And I was like, I was getting incensed. And then it says, and Margot Kidder is Lois Lane. I'm like, oh, sweet. She got the prestigious and credit. Good for her. And then she pieces out to Bermuda. And then there's a part of me that's like, Okay, so I guess Superman goes to Bermuda in this one? And then, like, no. She literally was like, I'll be in the movie for the first five minutes, and then I'm out. I'll show up at the very end, too, to be jealous of Lana Lang, but that's it. Lois Lane's not in this one. No, and it's crazy. I'm so sad about it. It is, because there's a lot of potential, but, like, what does happen, you know, instead of Lois having Lana, I will say early on, before we delve into it, I actually really like, I actually really like uh, the stuff with Clark and Lana in this, Um, but you do miss out the Lois stuff, and then they tease it at the end that you're gonna have, because there's a classic, right, the classic uh, old school, again, Silver Age Superman stuff had... Lana and Lois constantly at odds about Superman's affection and Superman's love. It was the constant battle between them for for the love of Superman. So, like, this rivalry between them, this romantic rivalry is, like, one of the classic comic book uh, tropes, right? Like, this is this is, this is huge in, in, in the realm of Superman. Uh, it's not great because, again, defining two women as just basically about their love of Superman is... Not ideal. And they've done a lot to, you know, come away from that in, in modern times. Um, but this movie, I think, handles some of that stuff interestingly. Uh, again, I will give credit where credit is due. But the Daily Planet stuff and the lowest stuff, like, sucks because she's not there. You get this, like, great character who has such great banter with, with Chris Reeve and, like, she's off to Bermuda and then we don't really see her again. It's, it is unfortunate to say the least. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know that I loved it personally. Yeah. Uh, um, although I guess uh, uh, Annette O'Toole, who plays Lana Lang, would go on to be Martha Kent on Smallville. Smallville, that is so correct. Obviously, very beloved figure within the Superman mythos. Yes, um, and she she is great. But before we even get to Smallville, there is. The fun part, because again, this movie cuts back to Gus Gorman so often. He's the main character. Prior, he's pretty much the main character. And actually, this part is, if anything has has lasted, I think, uh, from this movie, especially uh, into the cultural context, it is what happens next. Because Gus is working for Webster's company, and he's unhappy with his paycheck. Right, so. He uncovers the fact that, like, fractions of pennies are, like, you know, the computers keep track of them, but, like, none of the actual business stuff is 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 uh, in the books. So he creates a program to take those fractions of a pennies and deposit them into another account that belongs to him. So he's ripping off the company in a very, very clever way using his computer programming magic. Um, and he's this a computer gosh, science wizard. He's a computer science wizard, a, f- a computer dimensional wizard. Uh, but this this con should sound familiar to a lot of people. Does it, does it sound familiar to you, Josh? Go on. This is a con that they use in office space. <laughs> they specifically call it out in office space where he, like Ron Livingston's character is like, why does this sound familiar? And he's like, this is the same thing Richard Pryor did in Superman 3. <laughs> and it's in... Incredible, because like when they said in office space the first time I watched it, I was like, "That's Superman 3. and I like that they called it out. But they, what's great is that they run the same con and encounter the same problem where too much money was taken away, and they immediately noticed. You know, like that's exactly what happened with Gus is that all the money that he got, like they noticed it. The Websters noticed, and we're just like, "Where did all of our money go?" Yeah, and they um, find out who did it because he shows up in like a. Right. And like a Corvette or whatever, like he just like rolls into work one day after uh, after Big Boss Ross is like, whoever did this wouldn't be so stupid as to a- advertise himself. And then he just shows up in his <laughs> sports car, just like rolling into the into the office like right. it's no big thing. Like it's no big deal. I do like that. They were like, only an idiot would, would, would do this. But again, only an idiot or an all-powerful magical Magic being genius. who knows yep. that he won't encounter any troubles in the yep. long run. Yeah. Um, I, I will say too, right? Like this scene, I do love the office space, uh, con. I think it's great. I think it's really, really funny. Um, I, I like how it blows up in his face in a way. And this is the moment we do get introduced, right? Like as this investigation, they are uncovering, we are introduced officially to the Webster's. We've seen pictures of them, but this is their first introduction as characters like talking to each other setting them up and i will say um as you talked about the intro of this movie setting the tone right superman 2 i think did a great job introducing the villains we talked about that we talked about how superman 2 introduced uh zod ursa and non on the moon and this like terrifying aspect to them so they introduced them as to what they are dangerous and i do think this movie does a good job as well introing these villains as exactly what they are which is annoying they are an annoying annoying. group of people and so they accomplishes that goal uh like everything they do i'm just like jesus christ you're the worst every single one of you yeah uh and like you wonder why this isn't gene hackman you wonder why this isn't lex Luthor. apparently he didn't want to do it he was mad at the sulkins yeah 
yeah, after after Superman two, like the you know after what they did and 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 everything with Brando, uh, Gene Hackman never came back, and uh, and he wouldn't until other stuff, uh, which we'll talk about uh, soon. Um, but yeah, it's and it's also weird to have also like rich people as a villain again, you know, just like wealthy, clever ish business people, like discount yeah, superhero Luthers. movie trope though that like uh, they just kind of you know recycle through similar types of bad guys like we've talked about this extensively with like early mcu even like frankly till like fairly late mcu as it currently stands of just like rich you know billionaire white dude is the bad guy yeah yeah it's 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 really i mean there's good ways to do it and this is not it because we we get this situation where uh, they find out what Gus is capable of they find out he's a genius they bring him up there and then they ask him because of all his knowledge with computers, because he's magic with computers, uh, they have their own plan, right? They're like, oh, we have money invested in coffee, but our main competitor uh, is Colombia, who has two main exports, one of them being coffee, and the other one is implied, and I find that slightly offensive, but yes. fine. Yes. Um, so they want Gus to essentially use this Vulcan satellite to make weather happen and cause the crops in Colombia, the coffee uh, crops to go bad using computers. Yeah. And definitely not magic. Definitely not magic. And in order to accomplish this, they end up sending him because they're just like, we need to go somewhere that can't be traced back to us. You just need access to a computer that can hook up, you know, to the satellite. Uh, so we're going to send you somewhere small. Yeah. And so we know that there's only Smallville. there's only <laughs> three places in the entire Superman, uh, Superman movie universe uh, that still exist because Krypton's been destroyed. <laughs> right. That is Metropolis, Smallville and Australia. Australia. <laughs> And they weren't going to send him to Australia because that's too big, as you know. Uh, so they send him to Smallville. <laughs> Love that read so much. Australia. Uh, anyway, they end up sending him to Smallville, right? Which, coincidentally, is where Clark and Jimmy are headed. Uh, this is where we get this other part of the story. Yeah, I didn't realize, Kevin, that uh, this was the uh, Superman Goes Back to Smallville movie. Um, especially like when the movie started and it was doing all the things it was doing. It's like this is like this was not on my radar. That like this was also going to be like we've kind of seen Superman reckon with his Kryptonian past. This shall be the film that <laughs> reckons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, records is, a, is actually not an inappropriate word. Smallville I mean, is wild. Smallville is wild and weird because, like, as we'll discuss, like, they bring the entire town out for little Ricky's birthday. Because little Superman's sweet gonna be there. Ricky. Oh, my God. This boy who just this apparently boy. just like fell on a rock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just- poor little Ricky. What happened, buddy? <laughs> I, was, well, I was just playing with a dog in the field and I slipped and, and I, I just slipped him out on the rock on a rock poor little Ricky what happened yep. it's it's so funny because like you are right like this this movie the return to Smallville I don't think was expected but honestly I don't I don't hate a lot of the Smallville stuff because like they get on the bus and for what it is right like it, it's it's Clark and Jimmy 
on the way to Smallville is is how we get this thing started because Clark's going to do this like piece about his high school reunion, which seems psychotic as a newspaper piece for the Daily Planet, but whatever. Um, and they're passing let by this chemical plant. Let me continue pointing attention towards my backstory, right. Clark Kent. Let, let me publish <laughs> this in a major newspaper just, uh, just in case anyone else then goes and looks up what I look like as Clark Kent and then has any shred of intelligence and realizes that, hey, if I remove the glasses from this reporter, that's Superman. Yeah, I look a lot like Superman. That guy looks like <laughs> Superman. Uh, it's, 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 it's absurd. It's absurd on so many levels. Uh, but like this scene, right? Like the chemical plant scene is not bad. Like I, I think it's, I think it's fun. I think some of it is ridiculous. Like there's a part at the very beginning, again, <laughs> a nit, a nitpick, but I think is really absurd where, uh, Jimmy goes with Clark and like pulls him down next to the police car and whispers how he needs a distraction because he wants to sneak in. And if you look at that scene, the, there's a cop literally right next to them who's like looking down at them crouching quote-unquote hiding he's staring dead at them as they're doing this which i think is so wonderfully stupid like like an edit that was missed where it's just like they're supposed to be hiding but there's someone literally two feet away staring at them as they're trying to hide incredible it's it's amazing it's amazing but like the Superman sequence here is, is not bad, right? Like, he comes in, he, there's clever ways he, he figures out how to save, uh, the people. Like, they, they, you know, they're trapped up there. So he uses, like, the, the, um, chimney. I don't know what to describe that as, but he uses he that. He breaks off, like, a silo and turns yes. it into a slide. Right, so they can get out safely. Uh, he knew that he couldn't use his super breath immediately to like rescue Jimmy. He had to walk into the fire, grab him, get him out, and then try to put out the fire because you know if he used his super breath, he would just blow it onto Jimmy and kill right, him. Right. Um. So like, and then he uses the ice thing, which is extremely Silver Age and super dumb, but still not the dumbest thing in this movie. Uh, well, considering that it works, and I did want to talk about this, is I think like there is this reputation that Batman's the super genius and Superman's kind of an idiot in comparison. That like one of the things that Batman has with Superman is he's just like hyper-intelligent, he's thought through every battle's possible conclusion, so he's over-prepared and everything. But like, you know, if Superman's right, and he can like freeze a huge chunk of lake and then drop the iceberg onto the thing and it melts and turns into rain and it puts out the fire he's actually rather intelligent this is a very smart guy yeah uh presuming in the magical world it would have worked I mean, right it works. I, it works it works it, it works in here what a smart dude he figured it out <laughs> this would not have worked irl he like the problem is of course like when you drop something don't you that start big. that with me this is a kryptonian <laughs> we're talking about kevin that's not gonna work irl <laughs> okay fine fair enough fair enough good argument <laughs> it, it, I come do, on <laughs> i do agree like that's that's been the thing and i think that the portrayals of superman as like an idiot is, is incorrect like he in the old silver age stuff especially he was extremely intelligent he had super everything including intelligence right um they just needed to obviously balance that out as the interactions between these characters moved on more but i think superman is supposed to be smart i i don't think he he should be batman level smart as i've mentioned before i think superman is is uh that's not his key right like i don't think he needs to be the fastest the strongest the smartest i think superman's power is his ability to inspire and to persevere and to get back up when he's been knocked down i think that's superman's deal to do the right thing um but here it does it does work and sure he must have known it would have worked and he caused it to rain uh but the one thing i uh, someone someone somewhere i will say for all for as insane as this movie is someone somewhere must have read a book about story because they do introduce 
a plot element in this sequence that will serve an extremely important part later in this movie during the climax. Okay. So we get Chekhov's acid, basically, because yes. the scientist is like, I can't leave. This acid is harmless, but if it gets superheated, it becomes extremely dangerous, can eat through anything, and if it evaporates, it'll cause a cloud of acid dust that will just destroy everything. Hmm. Including, so they, potentially, I don't know, a supercomputer? Uh, indestructible supercomputer? Quite possibly! Uh, so I did like that. Someone read the book, right? Someone read a book on storytelling to know, introduce a plot element if you're going to use it Chekhov's later. Chekhov's yeah. vat of acid. Exactly. Chekhov's vat of, vat of acid. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. I do like that that happened. Uh, but the rest of the Smallville stuff is like such a love hate for me, dude. I can't even explain it. I think for the love, I love Annette O'Toole I think she's great. I think she's so good in this. I think she's doing such a great job like performance wise. I think she's doing such a great job like with this character. I love the the you know the idea of like she's she's in this small town. She never left. She has a kid, but like there's more to her. It isn't just her love of like she's obsessed with Superman or Clark. I like the idea that they are building the idea that she is interested in Clark and not Superman as a contrast, you know? I think that stuff is really great. I think everything she does is fantastic except for when she calls small uh when she's in smallville and she calls metropolis the big apricot that made me angry the big that made apricot, me really upset yeah <laughs> that, uh, that upset me the statue of liberty is in metropolis though so apparently yeah, who knew <laughs> amazing absolutely incredible yeah new york just doesn't exist in this world yeah um but yeah, he goes to the reunion. He gets all the Lana stuff. And we also get introduced to Brad, which I say should say reintroduced. Because it's funny when rewatching the first movie, Brad is mentioned. And I yeah. think I mentioned to you, is remember not, that name. Is he not the guy that he's like, be, who's being like an uber douche to young Clark? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, so I like that they brought him back and he's there still an uber douche. There is some semblance of continuity and like forward momentum here in Superman 3. But I must stress some semblance some yeah the barest amount yes because like for all the stuff that i think works you get weird stuff like for example that bowling scene what uh well he just, what you know superman just wanted to let little ricky have a taste of victory josh he uses, How would everyone react? He uses his super strength to like destroy the machine, and then his breath to like push uh, little Ricky's ball further down the bowling alley uh, or the lane at the alley, I guess. Uh, and he uh, he does this to one up. What's the guy's name again? Brad. Brad. He does this to one up. Brad basically just be like, "Shut up, Brad!" And he lets Ricky have like his super uh, his superhero day in the sun at the at the bowling alley. And with his super breath to push the ball further down, he not only knocks down all the pins, he destroys many of he them. He obliterates, obliterates them. them. And no obliterates like, them. And no one, like, turns around and looks at Clark right. and goes, you are Superman. <laughs> right? Well, not even to Clark, because if anyone's perspective, Superman, it's like, Ricky did that, it would have been like, yo, what is up with little Ricky? We Everyone need to turn little Ricky into the, yeah, to the government uh, yes. for observation. It's so insane this, that that this happened. young little Ricky may be some sort of metahuman. Yes, he must have some sort of super strength. Super strength, which, yeah. Very clearly, they would have lost that theory because he falls on a rock and yeah, knocks he himself later, out well, shortly thereafter. If I thereafter. fell on a rock like that, I probably would have knocked, been knocked out too. I don't want to, like, you know, uh, rock shame this kid. Uh, 
but it is just amazing that, like, you know, later, like, because, like, Clark and Lana are getting close, and they go for a picnic, and they're about to have a moment. And I guess I have to imagine that this is a couple of years after Superman 2. It certainly is in release. I have to imagine it is in continuity, because otherwise, like, the fact that Clark decided, like, he would erase Lois Lane's memories of him... He would move on because he's never going to be able to have a happy life like this. And then just instantly moves on to Lana Lang would be so offensive. I would throw yeah, it would be upsetting. Uh, but if it's been like a couple of years, like, you know, people change it's still really messed up that he erased her memories. Um, but, you know, people do change. Maybe he regrets that. I don't know. He should probably account for that in some capacity. Um, but like he's doing that and they Spoiler, go on. Spoiler, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, <laughs> they go on a picnic and then like they're about to like make out and then like the, like, oh no, the oil's leaking out of the car and like, good for her. I would have no idea what she's talking about. And she seems <laughs> to know exactly what's going on. That's awesome. Uh, and Superman's there. Let me help you out. And then he puts on his x-ray vision or no, it's his sound. He hears like the dog barking. Yes. Uh, and there's a little Ricky in the middle of the field unconscious because he's fallen upon a rock he's knocked his head on a rock and there are not one not two but three tractors headed directly for him that would grind him to mush and so superman's like shit lana you deal with the car i gotta go uh, check on the dog for some reason and he goes and he flies and let's remind everyone that this is a man who once changed time, changed the course of human history by rotating the Earth, uh, spinning it backwards in time to save Lois Lane, and yet he just barely gets there before the tractors, which are like, I don't know, like a quarter of a mile away from little Ricky by the time he sees that little Ricky is in danger, he just gets there on time. So this entire movie, just even performance-wise, Kevin, I gotta say, Superman a bit off his game. That's a pretty sluggish Superman right there. For for how far he has to travel, like you said, absolutely. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Also, I do need to offer a correction because I made the same mistake and, uh, my Midwestern fiance correct me. Uh, those aren't tractors. Those are technically called combines. Okay. Uh, so just for any, anyone yelling at us right now that that those aren't tractors. Yeah. They're combines. Okay. We got it. We got it. Yes. Um, but yeah, and like, it's very, actually, this is like straight out of, um, uh, the X-Men comics, because this is how Colossus first gets his powers, where his sister sure. Ileana was in the field, and like, the combines were coming at her. I feel and, like I uh, saw that in the animated series. Correct. Yes. That scene is 100% in the animated yes. series. Um, so like, pulled directly from that moment. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> Superman is not very super through most of this movie. There's moments where he does some really good stuff, but like, most of this movie, it's not the dude we know because he takes a while to travel there. Like he he he, he does stop the combine, sure, uh, with that like clearly twelve year old driving it as well, um, and rescues Ricky, heads back, and then is just like, "Well, good to see, you, I gotta go," and then flies away because he has to transform back into Clark Kent. There's a lot of that in this one where it's very like. The Superman we get, we don't really get a lot of. And the one we do get is, of course, going to be, as we will see, the evil Superman. It's very odd choice stylistically, I think. And part of the problem of this film and the way it's paced and I think chopped up. Yeah. Uh, but he's, I, I, I don't know. We're living in the age of, uh, of, of Omni-Man. Um, what's the homelander yep you know and so to see uh because again i'd only seen the memes 
But to see Christopher Reeve do evil Superman, <laughs> this man had such range. He's he is he is he is genuinely hilarious. Uh, so good. He's genuinely like for like what the tone is. Again, I have to start like like the issue to take is with the tone of the film because the tone either you're going to be with it or you're not, and it's totally fair if you're not, especially after those first two movies. Um, and like, there's definitely like, there's the other path. Maybe this, this series could have gone down though. If you do read like the Wikipedia and you find out what Donner's, uh, ideas were for Superman three, like they don't sound great to me personally. <laughs> it sounds a little weird. Uh, so like maybe this was not going to go great no matter what. So at least like we get, we're going to get a weird version either way. Uh, so like if you're, if you're going to embrace the weirdness, then at least like you have to you have to give some props to Christopher Reeve who's able to really go with it. Uh like he's gonna end up like he's gonna get like this like this raggedy uh factory made kryptonite that doesn't kill him but turns him into an asshole. Uh like that's the power. The power yeah. the power of the kryptonite is like he's it's gonna turn him from Superman into super douche. Uh, and Christopher Reeves like, all right, well, I guess I'm going for it. And he does. He just plays a jerk really, really, really remarkably well in ways that are like intentionally funny. Some ways that are like, oh my God, like what, you know, him and Lorelai, like that's so messed up. It's not all right. Did you say Lorelai? Yeah. Isn't that the name of the, of the, of the person that he Oh. Ended- I sorry, uh, coming off the Mighty Ducks podcast, I kept being like Gilmore. What oh, are you talking yeah, about? No, 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 no. Yeah, this is yes. not a Gilmore Girls uh, secret podcast. Uh, he just does such a great job with it. He does, and you even see it like Christopher. He, he has such great range, and you even see it in that picnic scene, right? And really in Smallville, his interactions with Lana are really good. When they sit for that picnic, and he's doing the like, oh, pate, and he starts eating, and she's like, that's dog food, and he's like, oh, not bad, like that. That was actually, I think, a well-read, well-timed line. It was actually pretty funny and kind of charming. And I think, you know, there is a lot of range to him, and we definitely see it showcased in this movie. Also, if people are interested in, in Chris Reeven comedy roles, I highly, highly suggest the movie Noises Off, which is an ensemble play with John Ritter, Michael Caine, um, a ton, a ton of, uh, of, of actors uh, and comedic actors in there. And it's very, very funny. So I do recommend that if you want to see more range of um Chris Reeves uh uh abilities. Always. Um it's it's really it's really great. I'm I'm probably going to have to rewatch it now cuz I love it so much. Um and so yeah, but you know, get into that kryptonite part, right? Quick stuff to yada yada over because as all that's happening, this is where we get like Gus shows up in Smallville. He tricks Brad through alcohol cuz Brad is the worst. He's a uh, douche. Gets, yeah, he gets into create the he creates like the tornado with his computer magic. Which exactly, right? Like let's consider all that. Like we talked about the crosswalk symbols like uh fighting each other, which is some like again, magic, not not computers, and he creates a hurricane in Colombia, which is again magic. magic. Like a computer can't do that, but Mixie can. Yes. Mixie can absolutely do that yeah and no mixie, i'm convinced he's mr mixelblick yeah it's, same it's thing done. with yep. as we're describing this right like they're like we did it we did it and we're at this like interesting rooftop cabin 
in Metropolis that the that the Websters have made, where it's on their roof. They've created a, like ski slope and have like a nice little cabin for themselves, which is apparently a real thing in New York, by the way. People have built cabins on skyscrapers that you can just like chill out in. I hate which it, which is Thanks. wild. Thanks, I hate um, it. Yes. Uh, and this is the scene where we get him that you mentioned, right, in the ski slopes, because Superman, he's describing how Superman showed up and ruined their plans, because he dried all the crops with his heat vision somehow, um, and their their plot failed because of Superman, so they need to get rid of him. But this is also where he goes, Richard Pryor, in like a, a, a pink, um, uh, like reddish pink uh, tablecloth, that he I did think was funny, where he tried to pull it and it failed miserably, and all the silverware fell off the table. Yes. Um, Skis down the slope and he, off a building in his dress shoes. He's his, able to hit. He's able to like fit his dress shoes into the skis, which are not how skis work. No, no, even I not know at this. all. Yes, even me. Yeah, I've only been skiing once because I didn't want to do it, but I well, love my even, fiance, so even, I did. Even Kevin knows this. Kevin and I both know you cannot. One does not simply walk into, <laughs> into a, a set of skis. <laughs> But once again, and one does not survive a fall off a building in skis. I kept thinking that Superman was going to save him. He he flies. He he goes down the slope. He accidentally goes down the slope because yes. he's like turning around, like make a point to to boss Ross. And he he fly, <laughs> he flies off the building. He's he's falling. He's free falling down the side he's, of the sky. He's sky falling, if you will. I, I keep waiting for Christopher Reeve to show up. And then he, his fall is lightly broken by like a little like canopy. And then like he just like slides down a little bit more and lands on two feet on the ground. And he's this fine. Was, this was the moment that to me was definitive proof. This is Mixie. Yeah, this, this is, is this, this is, is him. Yeah. Uh, Gus Gorman, if you want to call him that, is actually Superman's magical genius nemesis, Mr. Mitzelblick. Um, I'm I'm fully on board with the theory. I don't think that there is much room for interpretation. To be honest with you, it's yeah. either it's either like just the the movie completely lacks any semblance of reality, or this is a magic man, and I choose to believe in magic. <laughs> yes, uh, well, we have to believe a man could fly. So, um, which they do a callback later where Gus says, "I don't believe a man could fly." But anyway. This is where we get to the good part, though, right? They, they decide that they need kryptonite. They, they, they don't have any, so they artificially make kryptonite. There's a composite part that's unknown, so Gus replaces it with tar, and it creates this other kryptonite that they give to Superman during that Smallville celebration of little Ricky's birthday. Good for little Ricky. Good little Ricky. He gets the town celebration. He gets <laughs> feeded by the town. Now, is this just for little Ricky, or does everybody who ever has a birthday in Smallville get a local town birthday party? I mean, it's just for a little Ricky. I think they only did it because Ricky told his friend Superman was going to show up for his birthday. And then when Superman was actually going to show up, the rest of the town was like, well, this is no longer Ricky's birthday. This is for the town. Yeah. You sit up on the stage, Ricky, and you get no cake. You get nothing. Correct. You just sit there and bring a Superman. Yes. Um, but this is where also, like, you could see, like, a lot of what they wanted for Richard Pryor was to do his various shticks, right? Because, like, there is the general um, voice he does. Like, that that character is something he's done on stage before. So he gets to show up and perform one of his, like, famous characters in Smallville to present the kryptonite. It's a nonsense scene about plastics and everything else, but Richard Pryor does his stand-up, basically, and gives him the kryptonite they make, which is still green. So, fun fact... Uh, and again, this, this is a lot of possible conjecture, but from the rumors mills, apparently this was originally supposed to be red kryptonite. 
uh, the, they weren't able to make the green kryptonite. They obviously have to sub in, and the kryptonite was supposed to turn out red. And red kryptonite is a variation of kryptonite that does have an effect on Superman. It has varied over the years, but mainly during the Silver Age. Essentially, each piece of red kryptonite causes like wild and crazy different effects on Superman. So like it, one of them caused his hair to grow really long. One of them turned him into like a giant ant headed creature. Uh, one time he did in fact become evil. And this is like one of those things where the idea of removing Superman's inhibitions becomes a key part of modern day red kryptonite. Um, this, this, this you see in Smallville, the TV series, uh, quite often is what it does in red kryptonite. So, um, that is precedent there, but essentially they thought it would be too weird to introduce red kryptonite. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if audiences would accept that. They'd accept a lot of other stuff apparently, but they won't accept that. So they Superman holds on to this thing and he looks very uncomfortable when Richard Pryor shows up as like a fake military guy and gives this to Superman. And Superman's like Superman. <laughs> And he's got it. He's like, oh, God, I know what this is, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because if I do, then everyone's going to know that kryptonite's not my thing, uh, even though apparently he did just say it to Lois, which is like, why did you put that out there? Why did you let right. everyone Why did you let everyone know your one weakness? Uh, Superman, gosh. Uh, anyway, so he has, he's like, oh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm not dying, so perhaps this just looks like kryptonite. I guess I have seen a green crystal previously that wasn't uh, the same thing. Um, but the longer he holds on to it, the more of a terrible, abusive, like horrific human being he becomes. And I just didn't know how this happened. I knew it happened, but I, I had no idea how it happened. And the fact that it was just like this, like fake ass kryptonite turns him into a total butthead, uh, was a delightful surprise this morning as I watched the film. Yeah, and like I think if they had gone the red kryptonite route, it would have I think worked a little bit. I think it would have been fine, and it would have been like a direct nod to like something from the comics that causes things like this to happen. Um, but that said, look, nitpicking the color of the kryptonite aside, right? I it, this is where this movie goes from like ridiculous to just incredible. Because as you mentioned, this is the evil Superman. This is Chris Reeve really leaning into this, and it works so well. It's so dumb. His costume gets darker the longer he's evil. His hair gets more disheveled. Like, it's it's so weird. It starts off with him, like, with Lana and being really creepy with her and, like, not wanting to go save people because I always get there in time. And then he doesn't. And from there, he spirals. He spirals so much. He fixes the leaning tower of Pisa. He blows out the Olympic torch in a hilarious moment. Like, the way he does it, off of the corner, and the, like, pretends to, like, oof, like, you know, sneeze, and then just, like, ah, uh, stretches afterwards, like, well, whatever. Like, it's so insane, Josh. Oh, my Josh God. Josh is insane. He, he, like, he just, like, he loses it. It happens quick. The The switch is flipped, and then he's just, like, in it uh, with, with Lana Lang, and then she's like, don't you have to go and get this? Like, it can wait. It can wait. <laughs> yeah, it can wait. Look at your eyes. We'll they're, so, with you. they're so beautiful. <laughs> uh, and then she's like, no, seriously, I think you should go. He's like, oh, you're right. And then he goes, and then the movie, like, forces us to watch as a truck careens off a cliff because Superman didn't get there on time. Uh, and when Superman shows up, he's like, what can I do to help? And they're like, you can't do anything. These people are gone. Yeah, this is all on you, Superman. And Superman uh, is now responsible for death. Yeah. 
And it, again, spirals him into absurdity, but spirals him. And part of me is like, this is another moment where like what, how he's acting is very Bizarro-esque. Like to me, the fixing the leaning tower is something Bizarro would do. I love uh, him fixing the leaning tower is so funny. He goes, he props up the leaning tower just to like be a jerk, just to like, cause you see like this poor vendor who's like trying to sell his like leaning towers of pizza and like he ruins that man's life in this movie. He by the ruins way. his <laughs> life. That man is bankrupt. This yeah. is again, even by the end of the film, he's doing something like in the diner scene where he's just like ruining the diner to get back at somebody. He fixes a personal mistake, but takes into no account the, the way in which it impacted another human's livelihood. <laughs> Superman super- might be a bad guy. I mean, it's, com- it's true super dickery, which is a website highlighting all the Silver Age dickery that he does. So yeah. really, again, very, very Silver Age sure. yeah, uh, film. I just, it's so crazy between that and the, and the Olympic stuff and, and like, then oh, you, yeah, he you, blows you, out the, uh, like, there's an Olympic runner, like, he's been, the torch has been lit for all, for all yeah. this time and it's about to go to its final place. And Superman's just hanging out on the sidelines, literally waiting for the last possible second to blow out the torch. And the poor runner just like kind of looks up at Superman. Superman's like, what are you going to do about it? And he flies <laughs> off. And this poor it's- guy is left holding the bag and he looks so pathetic. And Superman's like, you're so terrible. How are you going to, like, it's no wonder, Kevin, that this movie comes out in 83 and the next one doesn't come out until 87. Superman needed four years of rehabilitation. <laughs> this movie kills Superman's reputation. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, mm, it's not great. It's not great. And this is where we get the stuff you're also talking about, right? Like, he, 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 he goes and sleeps with Lorelai, which, Jesus. And then you have, the infamous moment, you know, while all this is going on, Gus has come up with, again, designs somehow for a supercomputer. Yeah, I don't know how he has these designs. He, he just this, came up with them. He says this to Ross. He's like, mm-hmm. you never give me what I want. All I'm doing is doing stuff for you. And Ross is like, well, I could throw you in jail. He's like, well, what do you think I could do to you? He's like, that's an interesting point. So what do you want? He's like, I want a supercomputer. I've got a great idea. It's incredible. No one has ever seen the likes of which I would design this supercomputer. I basically create mother brain from Metroid. And so like, that's what they end up doing. They create this gigantic, like, uh, like metallic broccoli gi- giant of supercomputer and they just like load it up in a cave and it has the ability to like it's like it's like a child drawing like <laughs> his imagination on a piece of construction paper with a crayon and some marker and it's hi- like highly uh it, it, it's like highly indecipherable it's just like it's extremely so like you just you, you would not be able to and then like he like put it through like a machine and then there it is like that's basically what happened it's like, by magic yeah it's like if someone it's it's like if, a, if it's like a four-year-old's like this is a spaceship enterprise this is the starship this is where my friends are gonna live this is where all the bad guys get shot like you know has like all the ideas except it's richard Pryor as a man and it gets built yeah they somehow accomplish this off of those nonsense notes he made off of various scraps of papers like you said like that child's drawing and again because he is Mixius Pitlick, he's able to do that. And you I have think. to believe that he is, or you have to believe a different thing. And then the, the this different thing you have to believe in is very upsetting to consider. The different thing is, so either he is Superman's magical nemesis, Mr. Mitzelplex, uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Metroplex, <laughs> uh, or it took years to build this supercomputer. <laughs> It took like years of people's lives to build the supercomputer. <laughs> and if it took that long, then Superman is 
wreaking havoc on the world for years. And also Lois Lane is in Bermuda for that entire time. For years. Just for years. <laughs> so like, that's a lot to take in. And I don't want to live in that world. I'd rather live in the world where Richard Pryor is magic and is just like fooling everybody around him and is able to uh, magically assemble this supercomputer. Yeah. And there is, there is a third, which we'll get to. Uh, I'll save that for the end. But yeah, it's, it's such nonsense. And like, it clearly doesn't take years because, you know, Superman's in a bar drinking, which is a phenomenal scene. He's drinking and flicking, you it's know, so um, great. mixed nuts into bottles and smashing them that he, that he heat visions his own reflection. Yeah. Again, his suit is all dark. His hair is disheveled and he stumbles out he, to coincidentally run into Lana you, and Ricky, you hear, who is the same age. You hear, so hasn't been years. He, unless he's in cryostasis. You hear yeah. onlookers. <laughs> You hear, like, the, he fell on the rock and it regressed his, uh, it stunted his growth. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Ricky. <laughs> Sweet Ricky. Uh, you hear onlookers as, as Superman is in this bar getting crunk and flicking nuts at these bottles. He's just, he's like, Superman's getting drunk. You hear, you hear them say that in, from outside and go, Superman's in there. He's getting drunk. Is what they said. The damage that he's done to his reputation. So it, it is interesting. We've been talking about this along the way that, uh, like, you know, you think about Superman. It's like, well, he's invincible. You can't take him down. Well, there's kryptonite, of course. That's and everyone's like, that's the only thing. But there's also magic, which we've discussed. Uh, and there's also just like general like trickery and intelligence. Like you can outsmart him. Um, but in 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 this movie, uh, they also show that uh, alcoholism. <laughs> is a weakness yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and just like self-destruction uh, the most human weakness of all of his alcoholism you know by the end of this movie he is going to have to go like he he will require significant image rehab and probably literal rehab by the end of the <laughs> film well he has his moment though right he has his version of rehab he, he goes to essentially self-therapy and I will say this scene, I think, is actually like a legit scene. It's, it's the one, I think, legit good scene in this movie is after running into Ricky, who's just like, you have to be good, Superman. We need you, Superman. Superman. Uh, he flies into this junkyard. The splitting apart of Clark Kent and him doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, unless magic. Uh, and he fights himself. He fights himself. Clark versus Superman, the two sides of his personality. And it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, I, this is the scene everyone talks about because it is the one good scene. It's a cool moment to see this conflict between himself, this internal conflict made real. And you have these cool moments of Chris Reeve doing Superman, evil Superman and, you know, good Superman Clark Kent as they're like, smacking each other around uh you know clark is like throwing tires over on superman he's throwing him into acid i love that back and forth it's also dark it's a very different tone here because he throws him into a trash yeah, compactor so the, the three like this these movies love to crush their protagonists like in the <laughs> in the first one lois is getting like crushed in the car in the earthquake and now in this one superman like clark kent is getting crushed in the compactor and it's like brutal you're like watching their human body like go up against like uh you know detritus crushing them uh and it's it's terrifying and that's the first time that this battle scene makes you think that clark kent is gonna die 
uh, is like they're like they're like gooing him together in the trash compactor, and like you know that's not actually going to kill him. And so, he, although, can you imagine if this is how the movie went? When it's just like he's just evil now. Superman is just evil. Amazing. He he like he's able to like free himself from that. Um, and then he goes and fights. Uh, he gets back in a fighting position, and then evil Superman drops like the gigantic like load of metal on top of him that just like drives him into the ground like whack a mole. And you're like, okay, no one would survive that except maybe Superman. And it's crazy that this has happened to Clark Kent twice in a row now. And then he like pushes himself out from it. So you're like, all right, well, dramatically, like from like a dramatic, like rhythmic perspective, like it's about time that he's like, he gets the upper hand now, right? Uh, and then no, he gets like doused in acid, right? Like I think that's what happens to him. Like he douses bad Superman in acid, and then bad Superman's able to like chuck the acid back at Clark, uh, and then he throws him into like another crushing apparatus. So it's like yep. the third time Clark Kent has been has been crushed. And then it requires Clark to somehow he gets out of that. He doesn't get like he's going to be like shredded is what's going to happen. He's going to be like shredded to bits. Uh, and he's like he's like in the Wonka factory, Kevin. Like it's like it's a death trap. <laughs> the nightmarish, yeah, the death trap. And the Wonka factory is a death trap as established. He's in a death trap, and he's able to get out of the death trap somehow. And all it takes to take down bad Superman is effectively, Kevin. Once again, Superman is breaking a neck. Here he is. <laughs> Clark gets an evil Superman in a chokehold and effectively breaks this dude's neck, and then he's Superman again. So that's the death of evil Superman. Uh, so don't tell me that Superman breaking General Zod's neck in Man of Steel isn't in uh, keeping with previous canon, because it is. Well, yes. We, well, don't as you tell know, me anything. It's it, he, he disappears into nothingness because <laughs> it's all you know a physical manifestation of an internal struggle. So he doesn't actually kill. That's you know, break, one break man's interpretation, Kevin. Now Fair I, uh, rem- I'm old enough to remember last week when <laughs> we watched Superman two, and there were multiple Supermans uh, at one point in time fighting multiple Kryptonians. I believe, in fact, there were four different Supermans. At one moment in time. So, again, canonically speaking, Kevin, <laughs> Superman can clone himself. This is true. So, uh, you know, with that being said, it would appear that one Superman clone conquers the other. And who's the clone and who's the original? <laughs> now we're getting into Invincible territory mm-hmm, again. That's right. It's, okay, yes. But, I mean, come on. This scene is is great because, to me, also... This is like what you're saying about Clark not getting the upper hand and this evil Superman beating him down. It's a battle of wills. It's a battle of, you know, perseverance. And again, as I mentioned, this to me is Superman's big thing is that the true heart of Superman is that Captain America, I can do this all day. And like he gets knocked down over and over again by this evil Superman and he still comes back. He still keeps breaking through. He still keeps pushing on because where this other Superman is being worn down, this other Superman is getting tired, which we see, where this other Superman is like getting frustrated and unable to continue. This real Superman, the Clark Kent part of him, the the person that is the hero, doesn't stop 
coming back yeah. and getting back up. And yeah. that's how he ends up getting the upper hand. And I love that. I love that moment. And I love this scene because to me, it is the one moment in this movie that I'm just like, ah, yes, somebody somewhere understood like the, the thing about Superman. And I really enjoyed that. And like, it's, it's last, it's, it's left a lasting impression. Not just me. I think a lot of people, they always talk about Superman three is really terrible. Well, except for the junkyard scene. Obviously, there's other things to enjoy about this movie in a in a different way, but I think legitimately this is like a good scene, you know? Yeah, I loved it. I really did. I gotta yeah. be honest. And then, unfortunately, we go right back to insanity, right? We, yes. we we have Superman. This is where we're heading to the climax. He's back to being good Superman. He flies off. He goes, uh, finds out where they're gonna be in what I assume is the Grand Canyon. Uh, and there's a cave there where they built a supercomputer, as you mentioned earlier, this supercomputer that can automatically learn stuff. As Superman's flying there to go confront them, they clearly lost all their money on, uh, uh, on their effects budget is gone because we get this weird ass video game sequence. I love it. They- oh my God. This movie's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Right? The, the evil supercomputer, which is unlike anything anyone has ever seen. Uh, has, uh, is in advance of Nintendo, right? Like, Nintendo's not really a thing yet, I don't think. We're in Atari at best right now. I think at best, I mean, it may have been come out in J- uh, Japan in 82, Let's but it didn't hit the when American in, market for a while. Where's Nintendo? Either way, like, this is sophisticated, uh, all things considered. Uh, <laughs> It is. Don't laugh at me. It is. This is how, well, this is, this is how I guess this is, this is Superman, uh, Superman 3, the reason video games exist. Yeah. <laughs> Someone see this is like, oh, how do we do that? I guess the, the color TV game, the first video game console from Nintendo was originally 1977. Uh, and then the, the Nintendo Entertainment System is 85. So this is pre NES. And then it's, this isn't even close to what NES 80, is. Right? 83 in Japan, though. You're right. Yeah. So, like, clearly it just hit big in Japan, and they're just like, how do we include this sequence? But Nintendo had nothing close to these no. types of graphics. No. Nothing. And it's it's crazy. They're just shooting missiles at him. He's dodging. There's points for whatever reason. Uh, and it's insane. Again, the annoyance of these bad guys. Good God. Gus is, of course, upset about this. And I do like this is where, for a while, we've seen Gus being like, I don't want to kill Superman. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not That's not my deal. Uh, and Superman comes in, the computer starts trying to attack him, it somehow creates a bubble out of nothing, because again, magic, <laughs> magic computer creates a bubble that's trying to suffocate Superman, uh, and he's able to get out of that, and then it creates Kryptonite Ray, because it's able to do anything. And this is where Gus goes in, he unscrews that piece, there's that moment where he, he wrestles with, uh, with, um, um, keep Ro- yeah, Russ, Ross, Ross, Ross. How Ross. could you forget? He's a very important character. <laughs> yeah, it's super Ross. important. I've seen this movie so many times, and this shows you how little I care about these villains. I've seen it once, villains. Kevin, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, so this is where <laughs> it's, it's beautifully ridiculous. He swallows. He swallows the, the screw with the the one screw, just like an exhaust pipe. The one exhaust pipe that'll take down the machine. Um, but the machine comes alive. It, it's it comes to life powered on its own and attacks superman huge you know this battle ensues uh it starts electrocuting him uh superman has to fly away he he leaves leaving the them to themselves because it seems like he can't beat the supercomputer and this is where we get Chekhov's vat of acid yes it comes back 
But before that, <laughs> yeah. before that, and we have to talk this, about a moment. They give this to Vera, uh, yes. who is who is uh, Boss Bubba Ross. Uh, it's his sister, I believe. Yes, correct. Who is also a computer genius, we find out. Um, Which is insane, because if she was, then what were they doing the whole time? Why did you have Gus? Like, that made no sense to me. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense when you realize he's a wizard, literally. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> and can can do things that she cannot, and she's probably uber frustrated. It's like, this isn't supposed to work. Well, you've been gaslit, lady. Like, this was... <laughs> This is a magic man who's been uh, using uh, the the powers of Mr. Mitzelplick uh, to to pull the wool over. Um, and so she gets, like, sucked in in, like, a horror scene. Horror like, this scene. is, like, what's that movie? The Machine? Is it The Machine is the horror movie? The one that's, I mean, there like, is a movie called The Machine, yes. Is that the one, like, in the factory where it, like, eats people? The Mangler. People? The Mangler. Yes. That's, like, what happens here. She gets, like, sucked into the supercomputer. The supercomputer, like... Uh, grabs her, pulls her in. It is like some Cronenberg shit. It is. It digitizes her in a weird way. This scene, I mean, we talked about the junkyard scene leaving lasting. I rem- like, I have never forgotten this moment since I saw this as a kid because it was nightmarish. It was nightmarish to see this. Like, it freaked me out so bad. It gave me like, it definitely scarred me in some way because like, I've never forgotten that moment of seeing the pieces come on her and everything and her. Oh, oh, oh. It's terrible. It is. It's horrifying. And like she comes out, she starts blasting everyone, you know, taking care of Lorelai. It's 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 complete pandemonium. And that's when Superman comes back. And again, I do like this because it's about Superman using intelligence to beat this machine. And they introduced this plot point earlier. Um, so he shows up with something behind his back and the machine analyzes it. And it's just like, it's nothing. And so it starts attacking Superman, drags him toward uh, it's moving on its own as well. Uh, with electricity and like pieces just kind of moving around, um, completely on its own, uh, pushes him into that area. And then the acid heats up. Superman takes off the lid and the acid basically, uh, destroys the computer, eats through a computer and destroys it. Uh, and that's how Superman saves the day here, right? And then he's able to get Gus and they fly off together. And again, I do like that he outsmarted the computer, right? And he even explains to Gus, like, if you walk in without a threat, the computer is not going to feel like do anything about it because it doesn't see it as a threat. And I think that's smart. I think he was able to, like, think his way through. Yeah, he is able to do. Uh, I'm telling you, I think Superman may secretly be a genius. I mean, I'm not going to hate it. In I, mean, I, understand 3, like, I think it's much, possible but. that he is he is actually like hyper intelligent. <laughs> it's a Silver Age version. It is a very Silver Age movie, which actually brings me into the thing I wanted to reference, the other possible explanation. Because we knew, you said it earlier, at one point, Mixie would have been the villain, but there was another villain that they were thinking Brainiac. about using. And Brainiac, Brainiac. Can, just to establish, because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are, are huge into Superman, but maybe aren't, and you know, this is, you know, some first exposure stuff for them. Just uh, the, the quick 411 on Brainiac, who is short of Luther and Zod, probably Superman's, like, number one villain. Correct. So Brainiac, there's been a couple different versions. One of the most oldest versions is that he is a super intelligent alien that collects other races to analyze um, and, and, and keep and uh, um, uh, preserve. Uh, but he's essentially like a super genius, technologically advanced individual from an alien race. That has shifted and changed throughout time. And by this point in time, there is a essentially 
supercomputer. Brainiac is a supercomputer that is able to be it's self-aware and it collects stuff on its own because it's the it's the cold alienness of it of technology and of aliens in general, right? right. The big fear of that. Yeah. And so he's this he's he's an artificially intelligent evil computer, basically, is what Brainiac is. Which sounds a lot. That's what Vera is. Like Vera, what we're Vera, looking at. Vera becomes Brainiac, uh, right? Because Brainiac. The one argument is that unless Brainiac you would say is the supercomputer itself is Brainiac, and I think that's the thing. Yes, yeah. The supercomputer itself is Brainiac, but we've seen Brainiac as an individual because it creates. Brainiac does create for himself, like um, um, you know, bipedal uh, forms that it can move around in, which would have been Vera. So, like, there's pieces here that is very much Brainiac, and if you go and want to say, like, okay. Well, Gus doesn't know technology, right? Like, how does he know this? I don't know. There's been instances in the comics and even in the animated series uh, during Justice League where Brainiac has essentially infected like Lex Luthor or other individuals and like essentially given them this information to make them do this stuff and build him a body, build him a, a power source without them knowing. So the idea that like Brainiac has been subtly influencing Gus He's been the one who's been doing all this stuff. He's been the one who inserted this, these plans and the schematics for the supercomputer into Gus's mind to come to life. Definitely tracks. It makes sense. Yep. And, and, and it does be, it's, Brainiac is a Superman villain, but I feel like it's another one of those instances as well where it's just like, ah, people won't know Brainiac. There's too much backstory, yada, yada, yada. He's just supercomputer. He's a supercomputer to fight Superman because we're afraid of computers and technology. And it's, it, it, it's, doesn't work like in the end right like it's another one of those like oh it's been 30 minutes here's the real villain of the piece um but like those theories it's like i feel like we're in those like holes right the wormhole of like either he's mixiel pitlick or brainiac is involved help make this movie slightly more coherent um, uh, but I think, take I it think, away from that. I think it's somewhere in the middle where it's like that. This is a really fun way to lens the movie. Um, but also the better way to lens the movie would be if this was actually what it was. You yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're kind of like in like shitty Goldilocks territory. <laughs> in like to the, what, what I mean by that is like, this is too hot. This is too cold. This is just fine. <laughs> yeah, this, this is will just, do. This, this is just right. You know, I won't starve, so I'll eat it. <laughs> you know, this is just fine. Yeah, yeah, and like that's basically heading us into the the end of the film, right? Like we talked about the scene earlier where Superman's flying Gus away because Gus ends up helping him and and shows that he's not truly just a terrible person. Um, and Superman wants to make a pit stop in nowhere. Uh, that we can tell. He stops at a coal mine and he crushes a piece of coal into a diamond. A giant, giant diamond that he eventually gives to Lana Lang. And we have this moment too where he's just like, well, if you, if you have computers here, you should give this man a job. And then Gus is like, I'm fine. I don't need to fly. I'll walk. I'll see y'all later. And Superman flies away. And the idea of Superman being like, hey, you should give this guy a job into a place that Gus has no idea where nice. he is, no way, no idea how to get anywhere, and just on his recommendation, give this man a job is wild in and of itself. Yeah, so like this is another this is another argument in favor of Mit Mr. Mitzelplick, though, because his magic it would be influential on Superman, where he could True. he you know, Superman is susceptible to magic. That is a thing. Uh, so if, if this is Mr. Mitzelplick, then he's like, 
I'm a good guy. I should. I, I don't. I don't deserve the same consequences as these guys. I definitely didn't try to send the tornado after Columbia. Uh, you know, I didn't build the supercomputer. It wasn't me. You're a good man, Gus. I agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here, have a job. And then, like, when he leaves, Gus just like nopes on out of there. He's like, "No, nah, I don't need this. I'll walk the ten miles. I'll find some way to like, you know, con some other poor fool on my way to getting to the bus." And so, who has the last laugh? Uh, I loved that ending for him, but it was hilarious because, like, I was like, "So it was was it just the poster where he's flying him and like that they, they look like buddies?" And then it is that part of the movie where he's flying him through the canyon. And I'm like, all right, I must, I may have seen like a commercial of this. Uh, I mean, must have been right because it is, it is a scene, and and like it was used for a poster, and it is like the moment of like comedy of of Superman carrying Richard Pryor and flying with Richard Pryor, who was again huge at the time. Um, and it is a fun little moment, but I again, I like the interpretation of like if he's mixy, he just outsmarts Superman, and like the idea of like I'm gonna walk ten miles. No, you're not. You're just gonna get away from them and then nope yourself away because like you're a fifth dimensional god, basically. Yeah. Uh, and that makes total sense. And like like Mixie, he wasn't a bad person. He was just causing a little bit of mischief, just right? Just a tiny bit. Yeah, and so you know, it just I, almost ravaged Columbia with the cyclone. But, yeah, you know, it's just well, a little bit of mischief. He w- he knew Superman was going to take care of the problem, or at least test Superman's limit to it. Uh, and then the only other scene we really get, right, after this, is that uh, we get a fun moment. And I will say, again, I really like the lawn and stuff. So we get this moment where Clark delivers the delivers the, the diamond. Um, and then Brad shows up. And I do like this, because this is a contrast to the diner scene. Because... In this moment, like in the diner scene from Superman 2, Superman, like the guy punches Superman and he he hurts his own hand. I think that's fine. Um, but then Superman puts him on the, the, the thing, pushes him across the diner and then smashes, you know, the, 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 the pinball machine. In this instance, Brad does everything. He swings at Superman. Superman just moves out of the way. He falls onto the thing and rolls himself out. That I like. That's a very like good way to have superman get the upper hand without doing something like really bad you know what i mean yeah he 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 kind of cell phones this guy right and i think that's i think that's great i'm I think fine this, with that i have no issue same. with what happens to brad and also like this is such a strength like brad is a character rocky really isn't like brad is yes. a character in this movie he has some history too we've we saw him be a jerk to superman as kids so, like, some measure of, like, this guy who's just, like, perennially been mean to Clark, uh, kind of, like, trying to go after Clark again and then basically just, like, goobering himself, uh, is satisfying. There's a, there's a three-movie arc payoff here. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I like that. And again, like, I, I think, you know, I'll give credit to this movie where it's due. And this is definitely one of those scenes I like. And we do get a fun little moment-ish where, you know, Lana somehow is working for the Daily Planet now. Uh, and like her, she gets an interaction with Lois who showed up for 30 more seconds. Uh, and you have that like hint of the rivalry between them. And in a way, this ending of this movie does set off what could have been an interesting, uh, sequel. Is is Lana in Superman 4 or no? Spoiler. No. Yeah. No no one is in Superman 4. Um, from what I remember. So this is going to be, this is going to be a fun watch. Wait, is Lois uh, not in Superman 4? If I'm not mistaken, no. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. I re- I refuse to believe that this is true. It might be one of those instances of the 30 seconds again, but in my head, uh, I think the actress is Mariel Hemingway is the main uh, actress who I, when I was a kid, I thought that was just Lana again. Uh, but no, 
Um, I'm about to get very upset. Hang on. I need to, I need to, I need to just like, all right. So I'm just, I'm scrolling over Superman four quest for peace. No, Margot Kidder's in it at the very least. She's in it. How, how in it? I don't know, but she is going to be in the movie at least. Then it must be like in the same way. Like I have forgotten it because I remembered Lois at the beginning of this movie and I thought like that was a full wrap. I didn't even remember her showing back up at the end of this movie. And again, I've seen this movie a lot. Yeah. But in the same way for Quest for Peace, it must be a small piece because I do know who the main person is in this movie. Uh, and I thought in my head as a kid, it was um, uh, Lana Lang again, but it's not. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's weird and it's wild to, to do this, especially like a setup for fans who were like excited to possibly see this. Now, there's a lot of behind the scene reasons this all happened, uh, which we'll talk about when we get there. But besides that, and the leading tower scene, which we talked about earlier, where Superman fixes the leading tower and ruined that poor man's life forever, um, that's that's a wrap. That's a wrap for Superman three. Oh my god, it's terrific! I really it's loved it. I loved something. watching it. It was so bad. I knew it. I knew it was, you. Would. I mean, like to say it was even so bad. I don't. I don't know that that's fully fair. It's ridiculous. It, it's like uh, it's 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 not okay in many ways uh and in some ways it is bad like outright and then there are other ways in which it's so campy that i don't know i think i found myself in the mood for it today uh and like i walked into it expecting some measure of camp but maybe not to the degree that i got it um but i was i was very pleased i was very pleased with the level of camp i got this was enjoyable I, it's definitely objectively worse clearly yeah, and clearly I, I think objectively this is, worse than the other this two this is fair right this is this is where we are and i think it's okay to, for us to have this perspective i've always been like listen you can like a bad movie you just have to acknowledge like it's not good it's not good and, like, it's not but i had so much fun movie. with it so much agreed fun. like we had a blast watching this again because if we can point out the absurdity we can laugh about stuff we came up with ridiculous theories to try and explain away certain things and there are good pieces right Again, I, I I retain the acting all the way through is good. I think Annette O'Toole as Lana is phenomenal. She's so good. Um, and I liked uh, uh, the junkyard scene is fantastic. There's a lot of good stuff, but then there's a, the ridiculous stuff is fun in a like, this is so stupid way, right? Like the opening sequence, like you said, set the tone of like, this is so dumb. I cannot believe this is happening right now. But you're laughing and smiling while watching it. And I think that happens a lot throughout this movie. So... We want to acknowledge, you know, we're not crazy people. We're not going to say this is anywhere near good or the level of the first two films. But it was entertaining to visit this film in this context for sure. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, Kevin. Uh, what do we got this week in the way of feedback? Got a couple of things. Um, wanted to hit on two notes from um, listeners who wrote in about Superman 2. We didn't uh, get to hit all the Superman 2 feedback last week, but we, there's two I want to call out here. Uh, the first being from Adam E. giving some interesting information here. Um, though during your Superman 2 coverage, you discussed how bizarre it was that General Zod and company flew over Mount Rushmore on their way to DC. This brings us to the great joke that's been apparently overlooked. General Zod didn't land in Houston, Texas. They landed in East Houston, Idaho. Stop the it. The news reporter Stop on this. the scene no way. in the small town <laughs> makes note of this Stop. when he arrives and begins reporting. No, really? <laughs> Thus, we get this hilarious idea of aliens landing on Earth, <laughs> engaging in a miscommunication of some kind, and ending up in East Houston, Idaho, Un- instead of their intended target of Texas. Unbelievable. How does that yes. happen? That is that real, or is this a joke? I, I like I I may have overlooked it because I just like East didn't register Houston, East Houston Idaho. Um, the news reporter definitely said a point where it's just like we're here in, and I just I guess must have just glazed over for a moment and assumed like yeah Houston Texas, but yeah Houston Texas looks nothing like that now that you really think about it. Yeah, right? no, these, <laughs> it's East Houston Idaho. Yep, that's incredible. One hundred percent. That is incredible. Uh, right uh, over my head, much like Superman. That is uh, actually genius. Very that very is funny. genius. And it also, as Adam points out, would explain why they would pass over Mount Rushmore. So. Adam, thank you so much for that. That is Adam. That is a phenomenal, you. very good phenomenal call. Bit of trivia. Very, very good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Adam ridiculous. E, thank you so much. Amazing, incredible. Uh, this is from Jeff E. Uh, it's a bit of a longer one, but I wanted to read through it because it's got some really great stuff. Cool. Um, so, uh, you know, thanks again for the podcast, and thank you for listening. I would say um, one tidbit I wanted to add that I recall from my original Donner Cut deep dive after it came out. In the Fortress of Solitude sequence, it's worth noting that the order in which Superman A gives up his powers and B sleeps with Lois is different between the two versions. In the theatrical, he gives up his powers first, while in the Donner cut, it is afterwards. And it features a memorable moment where Jor-El glares at Lois, who has just walked out wearing only a blue Superman shirt and knee socks. Uh, The timing of this helps reinforce the tone of their conversation. That Kal-El is weary of his responsibility as Earth's savior and maybe just wants to be able to live like regular humans. The order and theatrical version, on the other hand, presents it more as a love-struck Superman kind of flippantly giving up his powers so he can go score. While I never picked up on that subtlety here as a kid, it was definitely one of the several moments where it seems something was totally off about Superman's actions, as you guys discussed quite excellently. Uh, and there's more, but that is a phenomenal, phenomenal note there for Superman 2. Um, I think that's great. I, I, I actually hadn't really put that together, the subtlety of it, but you are absolutely correct. Uh, that's genius. Uh, just another way in which that seems like, uh, the superior cut. And if I'd had any doubt, uh, then I watched what Richard Lester does when left to his own devices here in <laughs> yep. Superman 3. Right? Uh, which, speaking of Superman 3, uh, Jeff goes on to talk about that. Um, so, it's such a mess of a movie, but it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me and has a few really fun scenes. Uh, Kevin and I were reveling in the brilliance of Reeves acting in the junkyard scene, and really that whole descent and depression from a bad kryptonite trip uh, is thoroughly entertaining. I always found the straight straightening of the Leaning Tower a bit to be hilarious, probably much more so than it deserved. I also love the cartoonish properties of the Deus Ex Acid, 
which is introduced <laughs> in that great chemical plant scene involving a flying frozen lake that I'm pretty sure defies several laws of physics. There's a lot of criticism of Richard Pryor's involvement in the movie, but I've always enjoyed it. If nothing else, he fits in with the wacky tone of the rest of the movie, and obviously his ingenious computer hacking theft of fractional sense is forever immortalized. Forever, obviously. Uh, destroy the machines. Uh, Michael Bolton forever yes um yeah uh yeah i don't think i have i have nothing negative to say about richard Pryor being in this movie none yeah nothing. same same here and really that feedback of the guilty pleasure uh came from a few people because we also have you know these are from the discord but uh homer J uh saying like the way the ring is created is so stupid and yet i like it Kind of sums up most of the yeah, movie. Yeah, he just like grabs the lump of coal, turns it into a diamond, and brings yeah, it to Lana. Yeah, just crushes into a diamond. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Same Emily Reed says, yeah, it was ridiculous, just like the rest of the film. I didn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a few more things to hit on. Two more pieces of feedback uh, from Jeffrey K. Not much to say about this one. I hadn't seen Superman 3 in years, and I was hoping I liked it better this time. Nope. <laughs> Superman 2 is the movie I feared that the original Superman would be in 1978. I think he means Superman 3 because he, 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 yes. yeah, he had that feedback about yeah, Superman. Says, yeah, Superman yep. 3. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one question for you guys to discuss. There have been several takes on Superman returning to Smallville, including the current excellent Superman and Lois series. Do you think Superman is more suited to Smallville stories versus Metropolis? Um, I'm curious to hear your take really on this, interesting. Josh. I mean, really, it's it's you who will be able to give a better informed uh, answer to this. But having, I mean, I'm in the middle of watching Superman and Lois now. Like, it's very fresh for me. I, I guess there's one episode that I have not seen yet, which is this past week's. But otherwise, I'm, I'm up to date. I'm just behind by one. And it's set in Smallville, by and large. Um, and I like that. I like that setting. Do you think it's ridiculous? Ah, I'm getting into a little bit of spoiler territory. But like, Lois, like, you know, there's, there's medium, you know? <laughs> there's other places you could do there's your other job. platforms. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I, I like the Smallville setting. Uh, I do, I do love that side of Clark. I like, uh, you know, small town Clark, I think is a, is a fun character. Um, but there's a lot of Metropolis stories that I enjoy as well um but i think i don't know because i'm so i i think we are so used to big city superheroes and gotham city is certainly much more iconic there isn't at least as far as i know there isn't really like a a, a smallville equivalent for batman um no. you know batman is gotham is batman um and i don't think of superman is metropolis is superman in the way that i do think if you're asking me which is better suited, I don't know what the answer is. But if you're asking me which one to name as the location most associated with Superman, if Krypton's not an answer, uh, an available answer, then I would say Smallville. And probably in no small part due to the fact that they created an entire TV show about it that lasted for, what, 10 years? Yes, 10 seasons. Yeah. Um, so my answer is, I don't want to say it's a cop-out, but to me, the answer is both, because both are a quintessential part of the character. I think Superman's past in Smallville informs a lot of who he is, and I think his life in Metropolis is informed by that, but also shaped a lot of who he ends up becoming. And I think that's true to a lot of us, right? Like, especially like leaving your, your hometown, going into a big city, then returning to your hometown every now and then. I think they're all really important ways to showcase the character of Superman. Everyone talks about Superman's boring, right? Cause he's just, he has all these powers and like what can beat him? He's boring. 
if you just look at that part of it, if you just look at that part of the character, the superhero doing superhero things, it can maybe get boring because especially if you're not into action, if it's just Superman punching stuff, it's not going to be entertaining. When you get into the character of Superman, there's so much there to mine. There's so much to delve into. And I think that's where you get the type of stories where when you focus on the contrast of Smallville or Metropolis, or you focus on the human beats of the character, the things that that are relatable. I believe Grant Morrison said this is that, you know, uh, he has a version of Superman that's a bit more extreme in, in, in terms of stuff, but he looks at Superman as just like, Superman is just like us. He just does things on a much, much greater scale. Yeah. He has a dog just like us. He just takes him for walks into the sky and hangs out on the moon, plays fetches with trees. You know, that's Superman. He does these things despite his extraordinary powers that we can relate to. Uh, for Grant, he does a lot of the Silver Age stuff, the extreme stuff like that, right? Like Superman moving planets and things like that. And it's phenomenal. It's really, really well done because he grounds it in those relatable human beats. And I think that's what you get when you focus in on these Smallville stories, when you focus in on Metropolis stories. I think you need both. Because they show the various parts of the character. They inform this character in really great ways. Uh, so hopefully that's not a cop-out answer, not picking one or the other. Because I do think both are equally important. No, I think uh, it's an informed answer. You know, this is, this is why people are here. Uh, you know, they want to hear what you have to think. They, <laughs> they're, they're, tell us a wise one. Oh, God, don't call me that. Yeah. Uh, as I reveal my true form of Mixius Pit. Like, yes. I'm not wise, I'm just an imp. Yeah. Um, You're definitely the Mr. Mitzelplick of uh, this podcast pair. <laughs> I, I, I'm i little I'll Ricky. I hit my head I, on a rock oh, a long yes. time ago. I love it. <laughs> and I stayed in a regressed state for the rest of my life. Uh, I just want to read one last piece of feedback here from uh, James S., a.k.a. Jimmy, not Olsen. Uh, my first memory of seeing a Superman movie in theater was when I was five years old. To this day, seeing Vera get overtaken by the supercomputer and turned into a cyborg still creeps me out. <laughs> it's very Sam Raimi horror in its style. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I'm here with you. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like, like that. That's what I'm saying. It was like, it was like, it was like horror. It was, it was vintage 80s horror movie stuff. Yeah. Uh, like the only thing, Kevin, that was missing was like the gore. Um, yeah, but even yeah. like when you see the acid melting, like the like the effects on that, like remind you of like I said Cronenberg before, but like, um, gosh, what's that? Uh, what's that Cronenberg movie where the people's heads explode? Uh, scanners, scanners, yeah. And then, like the like the culmination of that movie where like the guy like gets set on fire and like you know, like his eyeballs pop off, and it's like so cheesy, but it's like very eighties and so like very visceral and just like ew, gross. Like the way the acid is bubbling and like the red goo and the ooze is extraordinarily evocative of like the nastiest stuff from eighties horror. Um, so that whole sequence to me was very jarring in contrast to the rest of the movie. But then I thought about it for like a another half second i was like this is so tonally consistent with everything i'm watching in this movie this is one of the weirdest superhero movies i've ever seen in my entire life yeah and i can't wait till we go into superman 4 yeah but i'm not gonna have this different experience i'm not gonna have the same exact reaction uh as we're as we're wrapping superman 3 here and starting to look ahead towards our final christopher reeve superman film um because i i don't remember beat for beat quest for peace but I suspect that this is the one that I've seen the most. Um, cause it was 87. So yes. I'm two years old when this movie comes out. Um, it's on TV a lot or we have it on VHS. I'm not sure which, but like nuclear man is seared into my brain. That fight on the moon being yes. buried in the moon. Yeah. Uh, no pain, no gain. You know, like there are, there are things from quest for peace 
uh, quest for peace that are like, uh, frankly, I think like foundational for my understanding of Superman as a character. Uh, so like, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have nostalgia for this one. It might be trash. It likely is trash. Uh, but I'm, I'm, it's like gonna be like my trash, I think, or I'm going to be like really sad and disappointed next week, which is a possibility. Um, but I have, I have like, I have not revisited this since I was a young lad. Um, I haven't revisited any of these movies since I was very, very young, as we're discovering here, or I've never seen them at all, as was the case this week. Um, but this one I have seen, I just haven't seen it in literal decades. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to, to go back with like my, you know, my current lens and see if I can see what I saw back then, or if I'm just going to be like fully jaded and disappointed. Um, and I wonder, Kevin, if there will be anything added here in that, like, this is the last Christopher Reeve Superman movie. There are no other Christopher Reeve Superman movies. This is capping out what has been, uh, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think that I can, like a special, uh, like everything, a super mini series for us. This has been supremely fun to, I loved it, to, obviously. <laughs> to, to go and do, uh, that I expect that even if the movie is not good, like, I, at the very least, I think like some Superman three levels of like, uh, uh, like, uh, if not, uh, reverence, then at least like, um, enjoyment. Uh, that's my expectation. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but I went, I went into Superman three with like a really low bar and probably problematically, I'm going into Superman four with actually like a relatively high bar personally, if that makes sense, if that tracks. It does. And like, I think for me in a similar way, I remember as a kid really liking Superman four because of the nuclear man stuff. And like, there's a little bit more action. Um, but like, I have watched it since. Um, but like, I remember not being a fan when I watched it again, um, you know, a few times, but it's been, it has been a while on that one specifically. While I watched it a few times as a kid, as an adult, I've probably seen it the least. And it's, it's going to be one of those things where I'm just like, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that Lana's not in this movie. And I was, in my head, I'm like, Lois isn't in this movie, right? It's the Mariel Hemingway character. And now I'm going to go into it and I'm just watch. Like, Lois is going to be the entire movie. I'm going to be like, okay, I guess I guess she she was. Because there are things I vividly remember. Like you said, the moon sequence for sure. How it ends, I definitely remember because it's insane. Um, and th- there's like all these other bits and pieces I remember from this movie. But like, clearly my memory of it isn't as solidified as it has been for the three uh films that we have watched because i i knew a lot about the beats for beats for for one and two of 100 percent and for three as well so i think this is gonna be an interesting experience for for both of us to come into this podcast and an interesting way to end it because there's also a lot of backstory about how this movie got made um that is very different again from the previous three all right always a story on these always movies story. about the bts always a story we will get into it Superman 4, Quest for Peace is going to wrap up our Superman coverage, at least of the Christopher Reeve era, and certainly for now. Get your feedback in super at postshowrecaps.com. If you just have general Superman things you want to get off your chest, now is the time to do it before we start transitioning into that trickster god, that little... Speaking (laughs) of mischief, speaking of which, uh, the Loki show, which I'm just always going to call it the Loki show... The Loki show is on its way. Disney Plus is Loki coming your way on June 9th. That preview podcast is coming your way on June 4th. And we will have uh, coverage coming out on Fridays from that point forward. So if you've got questions about that and you want to get them in early, super at postshowrecaps.com. 
Or, of course, you can talk to Kevin and I on Twitter, at Rand Howard. That's me, at Kev Mahadeo. That's Kevin. You can also talk to us in the Discord if you are a member of the Post Show Recaps patron Discord. That's at the $10 level. Make some friends. Have fun in our great community where we're talking about all things super heroic and plenty more. Playing games, talking snacks, having the best time with some of the best people on the internet. Uh, you can sign up patreon.com slash recaps. If the $10 is a little too steep for you, then that $5 is going to get you an exclusive patron podcast feed where there are tons of bonus shows, including the aforementioned Mighty Ducks coverage that Kevin is leading, uh, the 24 podcast preview that's already out, the Everything is Super One-Shot Invincible that Kevin and I did a few weeks ago. That's still available. Really fun conversation. I also did an AMA, Kevin. Uh, I did like a like a, a, a what I would call it an AWA. Ask Wiggler anything. <laughs> uh, I put out the call for questions. I answered them on a podcast. I just word vomited into a microphone as I want to do with no one to stop me this time. It was great. Uh, that podcast is available. I think we're gonna do that with some regularity. It was really fun to do. Very interactive. Fueled by your questions, the patrons of Post Show Recaps, you want that direct line to me? Well, first of all, we should talk that through. Like, why? Uh, secondly, it's available. You can do that. We can make it happen. It's really fun stuff. Uh, so consider signing up, patreon.com slash recaps. Kevin, anything else? Uh, that's it for me. Um, I'm going to walk 10 miles to a bus station. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> just in the slump, Kevin. You're just in the slump. You're just in the slump, Kevin. You're going to get out of it. You're gonna get out of there, Superman. You're gonna get out of there, Kevin. <laughs> I wonder what that kid's up to. Anyway, oh, poor little Ricky. Oh my God! All right, we're gonna fly off, up, up, and away. We'll be back next week with our final Superman Christopher Reeve podcast, Superman Four: Quest for Peace, on its way next week. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.